everybody. This is Dr. Mario Sacasa, and welcome back to the Always So Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I pray that this episode finds you well today, and just that you're you're doing great. I don't know what to say. I'm having a great day today. I hope you are too. Okay, so joining me on the show today is Leah Darrow, who is international speaker, former model, author, and now the creator of this new program, uh, Power Made Perfect. Leah joins me on the show to talk about this program and we get into the ins and outs of it. This this episode is incredibly practical. If you struggle with distractions, if you struggle with managing too many ideas at a time, if you struggle establishing routines, if you struggle knowing what to focus on, what to let go of, this is the episode for you because we have this full in-depth discussion about personal development, what it means, how it's harmonious with the spiritual life, how we can sometimes focus on, on prayer, but how we also need to be able to focus on our own sense of self and those negative thought cycles that often get in the way of our personal growth and development. So this is gonna be a wonderful episode. You're gonna absolutely love it. So grateful that you're giving me your time and your attention. So if you do find this show helpful, please, of course, I love it when you leave a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Please share with your friends, make comments on Facebook or social media, or just hit me up and let me know what you think about it because I love being able to dialogue with my listeners about this podcast and all the good work that we're doing here. So let's get into this conversation with Leah Darrow. Leah Darrow, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, you know, dealing with a little bit of COVID, but I'm doing great. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for no still problem. doing it. I think I got it last week. I think that, that I think we moved. I think I actually moved with COVID. So I think that's you just that, bringing it everywhere. Yeah, I, I was the super spreader throughout the <laughs> South. That was me, coughing at every gas station along the way. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Kidding. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. I'm so happy we can have a more relaxed view of this now. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. It's just a little cold this time for me. It just kind of hit me, just kind of a little under the weather. But yeah, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm I'm very thankful to be alive and for my health and yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, I agree. It's it certainly seemed like it was stronger early on, and it's nice that it's kind of lessened. I guess this this whole thing. So yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit. So I mean, listen, I'm grateful to have you on the show, and uh, I know a little bit about your story. I, I know obviously you're a popular speaker. Um, model turned into uh, a Catholic evangelist, um, which is a great testimony. And I know over, you've been doing that for a number of years now. Is that right? I mean, how long ago was it that that you kind of had your conversion and kind of had the whole experience on, on on the TV show? When was that, 2004 or so? 2005. 2005. 2005 is when yeah. I had my big reversion, reversion. back. Um, and so, yeah, that's it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. A while. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I've been sharing my story uh, willingly at this point now, um, <laughs> for about the past 14 years. So okay. I've been, I've been on speaking and on stages for 14 years, sharing that story and many other stories and, um, really just evangelizing the gospel and sharing the gospel. And mostly the message of mercy is what has always been deep on my heart and continues to be deep in my heart. It's still like kind of just that cornerstone of my life of, um, of how much God loves us and, and that he really, uh, he cares more about our repentance than anything, than your sin. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so I've been sharing that about 14 years. And how has that process been for you? Yeah. It's, I mean, how has it been for me? I mean, uh, it's, it's, that's, that's a loaded question really. Um, <laughs> 
how's it been for me? Well, I mean, it's, it's wonderful and hard mm -hmm. and difficult and struggling um, and beautiful and peaceful. It's, it's all of it together. Mm -hmm. I'm very honored to do this work. I'm, I'm honored to answer the call that God has given me partic in particular to do this little piece of work and do my part in it. Um, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm happy to participate in it. And I know that my work matters, but the power behind it is not mine. So I think you know, that's always been a very calming element for me to do this work that I don't have to have it all on my shoulders. I just need to be faithful to, to the task God's given me. And that's kind of kept me going, you know, for 14 years and God willing, as long as he'll allow me to breathe on this earth, just to continue doing that work. Amen. Amen. That's a great perspective. You know, obviously for all of us, we try to do the best that we can with what God gives to us and, mm -hmm. um, and just recognizing and saying, okay, Lord, I just want to be faithful and respond to the life you've given to me and, and wherever that, that takes me know that whatever comes it's, it's because of mm -hmm. you. And so just trying to be faithful to that, um, which is wonderful. So you recently have developed this program, uh, called power made perfect, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have. So what inspired you to create this program and, um, yeah, just, yeah, let's just start right there. Yeah. So what inspired me to create Power Made Perfect, which is a Christocentric approach to personal growth and development, was really the past 14 years that I was just talking mm -hmm. about. Um, those 14 years of sharing my story and speaking on stages all over the world. Um, you know, the, my favorite part of sharing my story in person is the fact that after an event, you get to have, you get to talk to people afterwards, you know, sure. and, and so you actually like, you kind of get off the stage, like you say all the things, but then you actually put it into practice. Like you're starting to talk to people and granted, sometimes people just want to hang out or take a picture, but the ones that I really love is the people who really want to talk to you. They want to share something about their life. They want to connect. They want to ask a deeper question. And so Power Made Perfect was really born from all of these questions from people over the past 14 years. And what I noticed is that while there is a lot, I mean, there is a plethora of spiritual formation uh, products out, out there, resources out there, and they're, they're good. Most of them, maybe, you know, most of them are pretty good. Um, and that's great. But the questions I was receiving after my talks was more in the arena of personal development. And I didn't even realize it in the beginning. I kind of just th kept thinking, they would ask me questions about personal development. And sometimes I would, my knee jerk response was maybe to give them an element of spiritual formation, but I'm giving them an answer to a question they're not asking. Mm -hmm. And so that began my own personal work. I've, I've, I've loved, I've loved the area of personal development, um, for a very long time. And I've gone deep within it, my own, in my own self, just to, you know, to better my own life and, uh, my personal life, my spiritual life and my professional life. And so it just kind of got to the point where I realized there's all these questions that people were asking and, and really about personal growth and development. And I wanted to be able to provide something in a more intense way versus just asking, you know, answering questions to them after talks. And so I wanted to be able to give them something that they could take um, and really go through a process to help them with some of the, just like the basics of personal development. And that's really kind of how Power Made Perfect came to be. Okay. That sounds great. So talking to people afterwards, after all these events, mm -hmm. and, and I imagine you probably have heard a lot of questions and, and have heard a lot of, a lot of stories from people. Um, I love that you just said that it was, try not to just give a, if I heard you right, you know, try not just to give like a, like a pat answer or even a spiritual answer, you know, to, to a problem that's maybe more human or, or in nature. 
um, obviously I'm a, I'm a therapist here. And so I appreciate that, you know, love that, that, that certain integration of recognizing that, that not every answer though is, is going to be, you know, a spiritual one. I mean, it's all spiritual, I guess, in some degree, but because it's coming from the Lord, but recognizing that there's something human, uh, that needs to be dealt with, um, that, you know, in, in, I guess I'm leaning back also here, even thinking about like, you know, spiritual formation, human formation, this is the language that comes from the program for priestly formation when it comes to, to priestly development, that the, the church gives recognition that there is some, there is a different area of development called human formation. And that uh, we can't just attack every human problem as a spiritual problem. Um, again, not trying to create this division, obviously the two are integrated because we're incarnate, you know, the Jesus mm-hmm. is incarnate being and we have both body and soul, but, but still wanted to put a lens on, on kind of the human element of things. And so I guess just thinking about that, like for you, when you were listening to these questions and, and hearing them and recognizing that you weren't quite giving an answer that you felt was satisfactory for yourself, um, what were some of those questions? I mean, like what were some of the things that you were seeing and, and that led you to kind of do some more research to, to, to develop this program? Yeah, they were, they were deep. They were, there were things like, um, is my life worth living? I mean, they went as far as that to how do I forgive myself? Like, how do I really forgive myself? Okay. I know the Lord forgives me. And they would, they would tell me like, I know everything the church says. I know what the faith says. I, and I believe it, but how do I forgive myself? What do I need to do? Or questions like, um, I, I know that I'm supposed to be doing something more. I just can't figure out what it is. Or I cannot get myself out of this space in my head um, or my routines. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I should how I should go about having a routine. I don't know what to do. What do you suggest? Um, which somebody who even say that would even recognize that they need a routine is like half the battle. And a lot mm-hmm. of times though, the questions were like, I'm just... I just feel like I can't get anything done. I don't know where I'm, where I'm going. I, I don't know what I should do. I have so many ideas. And they just, like, their whole mind is like this shuffled paper mess, you know, like a, like a messy desk. And they just can't figure out what to pick up first to do. And so, you know, with those questions, it's really hard to be able to look at somebody and be like, well, you know, if you say a novena, the same shows of the worker, I think it's all going to be okay. Like <laughs> I just, I, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And I think what what you're saying too, and I, I think it's what I'm saying as well. I, I hope this is the case, but like there is supposed to be a beautiful harmony between the spiritual formation and human formation mm-hmm. that there's, it's not, it's not pick one or the other. It's both it's both and so we and we do need both we need human formation a lot of times some of these skills you know a long time ago they were taught by our parents or grandparents or from generations ago and and they were practiced out so even if it wasn't maybe taught in school you saw um you saw people live out healthy routines in their life you saw them be able to like work through their problems and be able to you know get to the next step um and it's you know, for whatever, for many, many reasons, that's not the case anymore. And so we have a lot of people who are really searching for how to get their life back in order or to kind of uncover the thing that they really need to be doing or would like to do or how to do it. And they'd like to have a little bit more practical steps to go about it. Um, And human formation provides that, you know, and so that's what's so beautiful about it. Absolutely. 
So let's tackle that. All right. So the first one there, you know, well, not the first one, the last one you kind of stated, which was related to like, yeah, my life is a little messy or maybe I have too many ideas in my head right now or have too many different things kind of happening. Um, what would you say? Where, where, where would you tell somebody to start? Yeah. So these are, these are great. So it's always, it's all, it's always fun to do these in hypothetical terms because sure, you don't sure, have anybody sure. really talking back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so it's like, I'm like, you know, making up somebody and I'm going to make up their problems and answers too. <laughs> However, I would say if, if this does resonate with you, if you're listening and you're like, yeah, that's definitely me, there'd be a couple things. One, I would love to know your routine. So for the first hour when you wake up, first I want to know like when you wake up and I, I'd love to know like what is in your life, like what vocation are you called to? You know, are are, are you single right now? Um, you know, you're called to marriage, but right now you're single. Are you are you married? Are you married with kids? Um, are you religious? Like what does your routine look like? What And what I want to know there is who are you serving? Our lives are based on service. So we need to know that if our lives are based on service, there's going to be a large portion of our day that's in service to that's in service to another or to more than more than just one person. And so our routines are these beautiful elements in our life. I call them the sacred bookends, which is the morning and the evening routine. And our sacred bookends are the time that God's allotted, in my opinion, to for us to give back to him and to reconnect. And of course, if, I know you can do this throughout the day and many times and our, our minds can drift in and out of prayer and that's beautiful and it needs to be, but our, our routines are so important. So the first thing I would look at is like, what does your life look like? Like, what is a typical day for, for you? What time are you getting up and how much are you, are you giving to the Lord in those sacred bookends of the morning and the evening routines so that you can start beginning to order your day? Um, a few of the thoughts that I would probably have for that person is I would start asking them about their beliefs about what they think that they can and can't do. And so we all have belief systems and a belief is just something that you believe with 100% certainty. It's not just religious, it's anything. And so um, if you state like, I'm not, I'm just not a morning person. I'm just not a morning person. Okay. Well, okay. Well, you now have a you you have a belief that you you just believe you're not a morning a morning person, and trust me, your brain is listening to that. And so, um, your mouth is the coach, and your brain is the team. And so, if you are going to coach yourself into believing that you're not a morning person, you're gonna find you're gonna start seeing things in a way of like, see, I told you, I'm not a morning person. See that happened in the morning. <laughs> it's not my fault, right? Because I'm not a morning person. So we have like these beliefs that are attached to so many things in our life. And there might be some beliefs that a person is holding on to that's, that are limiting and keeping them from creating order and creating progress in their life. And so I would kind of, I'd like to look at routines. I'd like to look at some maybe limiting beliefs or like the language that you're using. Um, those are the, some of the things that I love to start with in a person, if that's what they're coming to me with initially. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a, it's a fair point. You know, there is certainly a self-fulfilling prophecy element to this, yeah. you know, or an element of like, if you, if you say something about yourself, then, then uh, you kind of start looking for it. You know, you look for code and it's, it's like the, the Vinci code, you know, you're finding it in, in all sorts of places to confirm mm -hmm. your belief system. But there is something truth about people just are easier to wake up, you know, and some people stay up later. And, uh, and I find even in my life that there's shifts in that, but I would say, but even if that's the case, that's not an excuse to not have a routine. Like if you do find that you come alive at eight o'clock 
Well, then you have to know that about yourself and say, well, then that's going to be time that's I'm going to be working. You know, now, again, if you're a single person, you're able to set up your time however you want. That's fine. But obviously, like if, if you're in a religious situation, then your schedule might be determined for you because there will be a certain order of life that the community that you're part of kind of lives in. And so you have to uh, you have to ascribe to live that order, you know, that that's present there. Um, so but I do think that those are great questions to be asking, you know, reflecting on what your routine is and reflecting on kind of what your like you said, those limiting beliefs. But that also means attacking and kind of challenging kind of like. I don't even know. I mean, I think, I think for many of us, I mean, there's a lot of studies, obviously, that are showing that like, the, obviously, dangerous to social media, the whole bit, you know, that the worst thing we can do when we, when we wake up in the morning is is look at Facebook or look at Instagram or even grab the phone, truthfully, is like mm-hmm. one of the worst things that we can do, you know, when we wake up in the morning. And, uh, and I find that even in myself, like, so as we've moved, you know, everything is still kind of, I have some bo- stuffs in boxes everywhere, even my alarm clock. So I, I, I got rid of, I started using my, a real alarm clock to wake up in the morning as opposed to my iPhone. Um, I set that standard probably about a year ago or so. Um, but my alarm clock's still in a box somewhere, and I don't know where it is, so I haven't been able to find it. So so I've been using my iPhone in the last couple of weeks you know, to kind of wake up in the morning with. But uh, the problem with that is that it, it's like it's just there, the darn thing. Like You just want to just grab it. And even if I want to like pray the Magnificat app or, or the iBreaver, any of those beautiful apps, you know, certainly that, that I use to pray with, you're always fighting this temptation to not want to do something more on the device, mm-hmm. which is why like, it's okay to have print things as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. anyways, it's, we can go on with this, but let me, let me backtrack just for a second. Okay. So it's so even before we just kind of jump into this, we talked a little bit more about the human formation and, and spiritual formation. But as you just kind of have conceived this program and like you said, coming out of these questions that you've heard over the last 14 years, how would you define then personal development? How would you define that? And what really is kind of your aim or your markers for for growth uh, for people who kind of go through this program? Yeah, so personal development is something one where it's... um... It's not a one and done. It's something just like everything else that we do with spiritual formation. We're doing all things to orient towards God and for us to continue growing towards him and not to separate ourselves from him through our own actions. And so personal growth for me and for this program is a it's a Christocentric approach to growing ourselves and allowing our full talents and gifts to be developed as best as we can with the Lord and for the Lord and to do that fearlessly. Sometimes we're so scared of growing into the person that God's called us to be. So we stay small and we maybe take the action of, which is not healthy, but to be the doormat, right? The Christian doormat. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine because I do it all for the Lord. You know, you can walk all over me. It's all for the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's just, that's just nowhere to be found in scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, it's nowhere to be found. We all have beautiful gifts and talents in our life to give to the world. And when I say to the world, I, there's, I think there's a tendency to maybe assume that what I'm talking about is that everybody needs to be an entrepreneur and everybody needs to get into the workforce. Like that is not at all what I'm talking about. Mm 
I'm mm -hmm. saying your world, my world, this beautiful world that we have, our families, our spouses, our brothers and our sisters, our church, our communities, we can show if we show up better in, in our world, in those communities, we make the larger world better. And so personal growth and development, when it's Christocentric, when it's centered on Christ, is something to where we know that it's his power that makes perfect in us our weakness. But we need to call upon and activate that as well, that we can't, that we are, that we are actually, you know, we're called to be active players with the Lord. I mean, Peter, I mean, Christ told Peter, get out of the boat, walk, come to me. Like you have to take action in your life and to kind of like take the step in there. And so if we just stay in the boat, be like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to stay here because at some point God's going to come get me. Like God is good. And I'm not going to speak for the Lord, but he will do what he says he will do, right? He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us and he's going to love us. At the same time, he also calls us out into action to the mm -hmm. world to be a high performer. And that's what, at least what, what I like to call it and what's a common term in personal development. And, um, you know, that's how I see personal development. I think it's very needed. I think it's, 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 it's more needed. It's needed now more than ever in the world of just being able to, to not fall back on these uh, scapegoats that culture wants to give us and this playing the victim and, and a, and a variety of other things out there. Trust me, many, many things that are really keeping us from being exactly who Christ is calling us to be in this world and to be a light and to be an example of Christian leadership and Christian love and Christian mercy. Like this is what we are called to do. And my, and I, I obviously believe that very, very mm -hmm. firmly. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. No, I appreciate your passion and you getting excited about it because you're, mm -hmm. because you're right. I think that the, the call out to the, on, on the water is, is, uh, is, is it's a Peter's response of course is there, but, Peter's free will was fully engaged in that response, you know, and, uh, and something about it, even just the trying changed him, you know, like he gets chastised for, for, um, for sinking. And that's obviously where we, where we end up kind of falling on the story. Like, ah, oh, well, Peter sank because, uh, because, you know, he, he kept his, took his eyes off of Jesus. Peter walked on freaking water. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, he took let's, the let's, 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 yeah, go ahead. <laughs> like, let's remember yeah, that. <laughs> this is something that's so human and we yeah. have to remember this. It's so human for us to go and look at other people's mistakes. Let's go immediately now and think of like how Peter totally screwed this one up. Right. He just walked on water, friends. Can you walk on water? I can't walk on water. Okay. I, I can't do that. I can't so do that either. <laughs> it's just, it's something to where again, having like that kind of goes into mindset right and and having the right mindset as we look at scripture the right mindset as we look at our world as we look at our spouse as we look at our kids having the right mindset as you look at yourself and the right mindset is is the christian mindset it is the christ is the mindset of christ mm -hmm. how would christ want us to to interpret that piece of scripture I mean, how would he want to, would he want to say, okay, listen, I want you to really focus on the fact, like right when he sinks, like only focus on that one. Okay. That's a really important part. That's like, it. He, he's got to do that. He just wants to do that. But it's human nature. I know it's a part of our humanity and our broken humanity to see like, okay, my brain says that's danger. I don't want to, I don't want to be in danger. I can't sink. So maybe I don't even go out of the boat. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's trying to protect us. But Christ calls us into dangerous situations sometimes. He calls us into situations that don't make us comfortable. And that is when he is trying to help show us just what 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says. My, like, my grace is sufficient for you. 
It's my power that is made perfect in weakness. Like that is the beauty of what he is telling us. He's like, I'm not going to call you into safe zones everywhere. I'm going to bring you into the war. I'm going to bring you into the battle. And I'm asking you to step out of the boat in the battle. And if we don't have our mind right, if we don't have our habits right, if we don't start working on some of these little basic tenets of personal development, it will be more challenging when we are called out of the boat at our time. Yeah, that's right. And so that's where paying attention to our desires and, and kind of our interests. And this is where something like knowing what our strengths and weaknesses are certainly pays, plays into, it's important in this discussion, because I think that as you've been saying, like, obviously the Lord calls each and every single one of us. We're all made unique and unrepeatable in his fashion. We're all made kind of unique in, 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 in our own construct, in our own circumstances, in our time and space that we're in. But but God isn't, um, like you said, no, not just a doormat Christian, but but we're not like Pinocchio. You know, we're not we're not we're not marionettes. You know, we're not just kind of algorithms. And I say this often on the show that we're not just algorithms that somehow God just kind of updates and we just kind of follow the algorithm as if that's what the Christian mm-hmm. life is. But there's a mutual there's a mutuality um, in our life and in our relationship with the Lord that we are invited. He gives us certain certain desires for sure and certain interests and certain personalities and, and strengths and weaknesses. But then he's asking us to use those things, um, as you said, at the service of, of his people. And so that means that we do need to then step out. And that somehow that process of us stepping out and and growing and doing the work is is going to transform us like that becomes the means upon which that we realize our humility and we realize his grace is sufficient that becomes the means that we realize that his grace is that his power is made perfect certainly in our weakness but that it's in that moment of trying and uh and i say this often to people you know trying matters trying matters and uh and even if you feel like it like you, you failed and like i say this a lot to, to to young people who are dating right now it's like listen like getting out there, it matters. Like even if you're not getting the results that you think that you want right now, I'm telling you somehow this process of you engaging, of you pursuing, of you doing what you what, what you feel the Lord has put on your heart to do, like like God is doing something in that that we don't really know right now. Um, but you can't just abandon the 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 project um, simply because you know you're not quite getting you're not getting the results that you quite want right now. And so that engagement that and it seems like that's what you're speaking about is that 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 mutuality the invitation but the response is is what's needed and that somehow mm-hmm. doing so uh becomes the thing that 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 guides us more into into the person that god wants us to be is that what you're saying yes yeah take action do something do something try step out of the boat and um those actions as to what you were saying they will have a compound effect you know, you might not get it right the first time or the seventh time or the 14th time, but it, there's a compound effect. And when it, when you get it right, it's because you had to try at those, all those other times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the ice cube. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the story, but the ice cube sits in the room and it's, you know, it's uh, 25 degrees and then it goes up to 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Nothing is happening to that ice cube. But the temperature is moving, but there is no progress. You don't see anything. 30, you don't see anything. 32, some, what happens? Like something's going on. Everything everything that we do will compound. And if we're working, you know, if, if we're, if we, as God says, all works out, you know, who works for good. I mean, if we continue to keep our mind on him, we, we, are, we are staying focused and living our life right by, by the Lord, 
those things do work out. We don't have to always understand how it's happening, but there's a compound effect in our life. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, take action, do something. I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing that you've probably already heard a million times, but maybe you need to hear it a million and one. But if you want to get someplace you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. Right. And so you got to, sometimes when you're like, I want a better life or I, I, I want to stop, I want to stop these limiting beliefs that are just, that are killing me. These horrible things that I'm saying to myself on repeat in my head and I need help doing that. Well, some, then you got, sometimes you got to do something that you've never done before. Maybe you got to, you know, try something else out to kind of shake things up. So tell me a little bit about awareness, renewal, and mission. Those are kind of three phrases that you, you, you're using in your program. What does that mean? Yeah, that is the model that we use, awareness, renewal, and mission. It's basically the Jesus model. I get it from scripture, so I'll have to attribute you know, that to Jesus and my writers, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for that one. But um, yeah, so it's the, it's, it's the model that Christ uses when he encounters anybody. And you can see this in any, every single encounter. There's, there's a moment of awareness where the person is, is talking to Jesus, and then they're aware of their life, and they see their life with clarity. Um, they're not, they don't just see their mistakes, although oftentimes that is what, what happens, but they also see maybe even strengths and weaknesses and, and, and their, and the good that they're doing. We see this with, um, Mary and Martha as well, but there's so many different stories where you have this, where there's this deep awareness from that awareness, we move into renewal, which is really the time where you start to think about how it should be. Now it used to be that way before. I used to do something now that I have new information and a new understanding with clarity. Now, what are the actions I'm going to take to do something new? It's that moment of sometimes you might want to use the word conversion, but either way, renewal, you're going to renew the old habit to make it a new one. Mission is when you're actually putting things into place. You're taking full action and you are ideally in mission with the Lord and what you're trying to do. So this model of awareness, renewal, and mission, it's the arm model. And we use that in power made preference throughout everything. So with that, all the things that we do, we kind of always go back to that. And it's, you know, as I, as I tell my, my, my clients that I work with, it's incredibly important to remember that this is not a linear model. Um, we would love it, especially as Westerners. We would love that to be a linear model. It's three steps and you're done. And you don't have to go back and redo it, but that's just not the case. And so this is going to have different ebbs and flows to it. It's going to be a little bit, there's going to be a beautiful flow that, that is, that is up to the Lord of where he's calling us at different moments. But typically that model is awareness, renewal, and mission. Yeah. And so that awareness has to happen though, in, in, in the concrete, you know, when you're talking about like the example we said earlier about um, somebody who's maybe struggling to have a routine, let's go back to that example and struggling to kind of uh, assess the various ideas that they have and not quite sure how to, you know, kind of engage. Cause sometimes we get overwhelmed by like the, the multitude of ideas that we have. And, and Mother Teresa even says that, you know, that the devil will tempt us by distracting us with lots of good things mm -hmm. as opposed to focusing on the one good thing. How does, how does the awareness renewal mission arm model fit within that circumstance? Yeah, so concretely what I would have that person do is take out a piece of paper and write everything down write everything down like that would come to their head of all their ideas that they want to do or, or, or the things that they're they're trying to put together. 
Um, and then from that long list of whatever that is, of, of you know, in no order whatsoever, but just allowing like a true pure brain dump to happen. Um, it's very freeing to do that when you know you can just write, just like like don't lift your pen off, just keep going, keep going, and just write everything out. Um, there's no need to explain yourself. There's no need to order it. There's no need to think like, oh, that couldn't be done. It's just that a free flowing idea. And then, but looking at everything afterwards, and then I would look and I would separate everything into what can you control and what's out of your control. Because mm -hmm. some of the things that we have flowing out of us are some things that we can't control. And so we put them off to the side. And then what can we control? And then that is a really big indication from there of like what you then can order um, or what are, sometimes we'll say many things, but they all mean just one thing. You know, we might have five different ways to say one thing that we need to right. do. So being able to look at all of it and be like, oh, I wrote down <laughs> seven things, but they all mean that I need to do my laundry. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, like that would be the thing that would knock out all five of them. And, but you, sometimes it's hard to see that unless you're physically seeing it on a piece of paper mm -hmm. and going through it in that process. And that would be one of the first things I would do with that person. So awareness in that sense would just be putting it all out there and then just looking at, looking at all the things that's kind of in your mind right now. And like you said, yeah. sometimes it's hard. You just have to kind of put it all out there, put it all on paper so you mm -hmm. can see it all and say, okay, well, like what really is occupying this space? And mm -hmm. uh, what and really is And there's obviously things me? under... There's obviously things underneath those, sure. right? And you, sure. that that's when you actually are talking to the person, you're figuring out like, how are they, how are they talking about it? What's their body language as they talk about it? Like what's going on with that? So there could be these, you know, possibly a limiting belief or there's, there's definitely, there could be an emotion tied to some of these things that you might want to explore that go deeper to something, you know, a lot as that might end up being like a core belief that's very limiting in that person that they, that you need to deal with, but you won't know that until you kind of like work through that process and you kind of see like what's behind all, uh, you know, underneath it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if, if, if procrastination is related to that, then, then certainly related to some, some thinking, you know, I think I've heard recently that procrastination actually is, is mostly due to fear than it is to anything else. You know, we procrastinate because we're afraid of, of accomplishing whatever that task is. Um, but attacking yeah. that and recognizing that that maybe maybe that we're making a, a mountain out of a molehill and uh, we just need to kind of do it. But like you said, it could be tied to something more, something more emotionally laden, you know, something a little bit mm -hmm. heavier. And, and that process then is, is the renewal process. Is that what you're speaking about? You know, that mm -hmm. investigating those questions and, and being curious and, and doing it with the Lord and doing it with trusted people, you know, to recognize that you're not just... Um, yeah, doing it on your own. I think that's the that's the big thing, and then from there, then you get the mission piece of it, which is to say, then then what like what what's the response? What am I supposed to do next? Right? Yeah, and put deadlines to it. You know, hold yourself accountable and have other people help you hold yourself accountable to that particular goal that you want to accomplish within that area focus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
everybody, this is Dr. Mario. We're just taking a quick break from my conversation with Leah Darrow to encourage you to check out Dating Well. It's my it's my online course that I've created. I, I love being able being in this creative space, and I've created this course similar to like what Leah's talked about in terms of her 14 years of ministry, listening to questions, answers she's given to be able to help people in the context of personal development. Same process for me. Last 15 years being a therapist, the questions that I've heard repeatedly from my clients pertaining to dating, the struggles that I see with young adults today. I answer all of those questions through Dating Well. 19 lessons, short video lessons, they're available for you to purchase. Reflection questions, things that you can be able to stir about and and, and consider. Conversation starters for you to be able to bring to counseling or to spiritual direction or even to your boo. You know, if you're doing the program together with your loved one, then then check it out. Dating Well, go to faithandmarriage.org. You'll see it there in one of the tabs. Love for you to be able to access this program. It's been a lot of work and I'm so grateful that it's out and that it's helping people. And I know it can help you better understand who you are in the context of dating and understand what the purpose of dating is. So dating well, check it out at faithandmarriage.org. You know, but I will say though, like knowing the difference between what we can do and what we can't do, like that's, that's a, that's an art right there, you know, because sometimes we feel like we can just, and I tend to be the guy that I'm, I'm type A. So I tend to be the guy who just, well, we're just going to, we're just going to, we're just going to line them up, knock them down and get it all done. And, and I've learned over the years that like, well, that just isn't always the case. You know, like there, there are certainly certain things that are just completely beyond my control. And, uh, and I have to accept what those things are and accept the, and that, and that for me has been a place of humility where I've been able to say, okay, like, no, this is, this is part of part of being a limited human person, you know, is recognizing that there are circumstances that are just happening in life, uh, whether it is sickness or or other things or kids, mm-hmm. you know, other whatever, all these other factors can kind of play into it that say, okay, I have this goal or this thing that I want to accomplish, but I, I need to have some patience as I'm waiting for the right opportunity for it to for it to manifest. And and I think that place of patience is is again part of the invitation. It's part of the relational aspect of all this is to recognize that when it does come to fruition, it will come to fruition um, because of because the Lord has has blessed it to happen. So, and uh, not just because I I forced it, you know, to 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 transpire. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, life is life and things come up. But part of the work in personal development is to realize that while sometimes I cannot control outside events, I can control how I respond to them. Sure. So that's what we can can continue to control. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're not we're not powerless. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can we can we can be able to um, navigate our emotions and um, and choose what we want to focus on with our emotions and our thoughts as well. Um, and so that's that's the part that's important, especially as like you have goals and dreams and sure. Yeah. I mean, you want to keep to deadlines. You want to keep your promises to yourself, but sometimes things come up that you have zero control over. Um, and that's a, that's a, those are beautiful lessons to be taught too. But what we can do in those, in those times of not being frustrated is to be able to learn how we're going to respond to that. And somebody who's a higher performer is going to be able to understand and be able to pivot with grace. Um, what, what needs to have, what, what are the most important things that need attention right now? And those are usually people, right? Those are usually the people in our lives that need that, um, rightly so. Uh, but, but if we don't, if we don't have 
the right work and the right mindset into the into that process, we are very we could be very tempted into like, no, I just gotta get it done. I'm I'm gonna push all of them, all those other people aside because I've got a goal that I have to finish right now. And it's more important that I finish this than me dealing with something that's just popped up into my life that I have to deal with with the person. There's always these areas of um that we have to pay attention to in the in the human formation side and the spiritual side. I mean, I see this all the time too in the spiritual side, to be honest with you. You know, I see people skirting responsibilities because they feel like they got to pray an extra rosary because it's just has it has to be done. And they're they're skirting their life responsibilities and communication with people because they're they're putting out the spiritual formation piece um at a level that you know, maybe God's not asking them to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's between mm-hmm. them and the Lord. I can't, I'm definitely not going to speak for the Lord on that one, but it it seems that across the board that we have to be attentive to um, our priorities and where God is calling us in mm-hmm. each of those moments and how we choose to respond to them. Well, that's the word priority and that those priorities, they're sometimes where, I, I've heard somebody say this recently, that priority, priorities was never a plural. It was always meant to be like a singular term. You know, it's, it's like there, there is a priority. And, in, in, but as we kind of set up a hierarchy of, of, of values and a hierarchy of, of kind of things that we're trying to accomplish at moments, there's obviously going to be conflict within those because we don't live in perfect harmony right now. And so, so things are going to be in conflict with one another. We have to then kind of shift and, and, and try our best to, to then reprioritize what we're supposed to be doing in that moment. And, and I appreciate what you're saying, you know, which is that like, I mean, like God isn't going to call us to a life that, 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 um, how do I say this? Like when we think about our personal devotions, like they're supposed to fit within the context of the state of life that, that, that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And, and God isn't going to put an extra burden on us. Um, when, when life has certain demands, you know, that, that present themselves. So if you're a mother of, 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 of many kids, you know, right now, that now might not be the time to have that hour of adoration, you know, at the chapel, like in, in, because maybe the demands of motherhood are, are, are too much and that's okay if that's the case, you know, but how do you, as you said, acknowledge the, the, the limitations of, of the life and then make sure that you're just, um, what, what, you know, it, it just, just making sure that your, your mindset is where it needs to be, you know, and, and saying it's going to be okay. Like that extra burden, God isn't asking that of us. And, uh, and God isn't going to, going to place those extra burdens on us. And so, so we do need to make sure that, that we're attentive to the things that he's actually calling us to be attentive to. And, and that process though, can be confusing because we could hear speakers or read the books or do all those things. And then we're comparing ourselves to people who live lives mm-hmm. that were never ours, you know, like even the spiritual life, we read most of these books of the spiritual writers and, um, listen, Teresa of Avila was a cloistered nun. That was not, that's not my life. John of the Cross was a was was a was a religious brother, a religious priest. You know that that's not my life, and uh, and I have to be able to then take those spiritual truths and those principles and trying to to make them fit within the, the life that God has called me as a husband and a father and and as a professional working in the world, and uh, and sometimes that can be challenging because we want it to look like a certain way, um, but but sometimes it isn't always going to look like that. Um, so finding those challenges are so finding those things are going to be important. Now, I do want to ask something you've been saying here throughout our conversation. And I appreciate your time is, is you've been using the word high performer. 
You got mm-hmm. to give us a little bit more context. What do you mean by that? Because Martha, sure. Martha, Martha gets chastised by Jesus. You know, she's she's the one that uh, that that uh, that gets uh, reprimanded by the Lord because Mary's the one that chooses the better way. So uh, so how do us Marthas who, who 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 in the world here? How do we how do we find that balance between being the high performer you're speaking about, but still wanting to 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 make sure that we're doing this connected with the Lord? Yeah. So you know. Um... I'll just talk about high performer. I'll, I'll I'll leave my my sentiments of Martha and Mary out of it for now. Sure. We can maybe talk about it at a later time because I have lots of different ideas on that one. But but what I can tell you about high performers, so the, it's it's a term that's commonly used in personal development. This is not you know I'm not definitely not the first person to have used this term before. But when I think of high performers personally for me, and when I think about it as relating to a Christocentric you know approach to personal development, you know how I look at high performers is this. Um, some of the people that I've looked at that I have studied in the world and not just business, maybe mean some like major high performers in particular, I'm very close to this group are the green berets, the special mm-hmm. forces. My husband is a green beret. And so I get a little inside scoop into that world and that those types of men, um, they're the top 1% of the army. And so this is definitely a group of what you would call high performers, uh, very, very much so on, on every single level. And so studying them um, and talking to Ricky a lot about his about his work as a Green Beret, one of the things that is a tenet of special forces, it could be for the general army as well, I'm not sure. But I know that for special forces, they, they use this three-part um, uh, process when they go into anything, any battle, um, any special project that they're doing. And it is one... Um, it's called AIM. That's what that's what they call it. It's called AIM. It's A-M-E. And so A is assess the situation. A high performer will assess the situation. The second is make a sound and timely decision. And three is execute with violence of action. Mm-hmm. So assess the situation, make a sound and timely decision, execute with violence of action. That I know that, that sounds very military and I know it is, but... Um, to break it down a little bit more for the work that I currently do, but that's kind of like where I understand it, like how what I've studied are, are people who do this. And I look at this process that the special forces gave me with AIM, and I see this across everybody in every different arena. They all, all of these high performers, people who are very successful, not just money-wise, but very successful, they assess situations well, they make time and soundly decisions, and then they execute with violence of action, like they, like they execute with the utmost focus. And it's beautiful to see it all happen. So these people typically, they allow goals to determine their behaviors and not just how they feel to determine their behaviors. So they allow their goals to determine their behaviors. They see clarity. They see clarity. They have a deep, um, a deepened sense of awareness. They know their why, their why about doing whatever it is that they are doing. They take regular breaks, like they have respite. They have moments of, um, I see, and you see, I, I see this in monks. Like you, they have like moments of holy respite where they just take time, where like they need to just sit and just be alone for a while. Um, and then also they don't allow fear to speak. And what I love about that last part is that they they recognize that fear is there, and they see fear, but they don't allow it to speak. They allow the fear to speak. And so this is when I talk about a high performer, it's somebody who is working off of this framework, you know, in their day-to-day life. 
that takes that takes a lot of time and practice. That is not that does not come easy usually for most of us to have this. I work on this every single day. I you know, and I think the idea is that if you just are actively working on it, you start slowly becoming that and it becomes a little bit more second nature to you. But when I think of high performers, that's how I define that. So how does somebody become a high performer? How does the the regular Joe Schmo, you know, who's who may have some ideas about things, um, but maybe struggles with the the decisiveness or the execution of those things. Um, how does how does that person make that transition? Yeah, so I would start right away with just um, finding uh, your why. I mean, that's typically kind of where I enjoy starting with people. Um, and and you know, a lot of times these conversations are about a very particular element or area of their life. It's not like I don't know, like like I don't know anything about my life. Like, you know, that they they're not starting from that broad of an area. But when you narrow it down into certain places, especially for Christians, this should become easier for us. Like, what is your why? Well, hopefully that why in your life has Jesus Christ at the center and making it to heaven and being with him after we die, right? That should be a part of our why. But that needs to, you know, as a Christian, it's important to state that. Like, have you ever stated your why in your life? Like, why? Why for your life? Like, like what is your why? But most people don't even think about that. Most people don't even be like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just here, man. I just exist. I'm just making my way. I'm just trying to go to work and come home. I'm just trying to cook dinner and get it on the table. But what's your why? What's your why behind it? And then, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. Okay, but so you're dealing with massive overwhelm. You're getting stressed out. You're getting burnt out. You you feel like you don't know what you're doing anymore. You you don't know if you're contributing. You don't know what else you should. Okay, maybe we should go back to the, those center questions that really help ground us in our identity. Because your why should speak to that. Your why will kind of reveal your identity. And then, of course, you know, we could we could go back even further. So when when you are thinking about your why and it reveals something about your identity, you want to check that to make sure that that identity belief is an empowering belief based in truth and not a limiting belief. Because you might find out that your why might be based on an identity belief that's actually not empowering you the way Christ is calling you to. So it, it kind of, you start there, but I would start with a why. I could go on for a while here, but I would start with a why with someone like define your why and then start aligning your life so that it makes sense to your why, that it's corresponding to that, that it's not out of that bubble of the why. Because if it's not, then push it aside. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the limiting belief. About limiting beliefs in general or limiting beliefs about identity? Yeah, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> yeah, limiting beliefs are uh what yeah, they're it it's it's a big one. I it's one of my favorite things to talk about. But limiting beliefs again, a belief is just something that you believe with 100% certainty. So we have beliefs about everything, you know, like your belief about marriage or your belief about the roles in marriage, like who should do the dishes. Like we have we all have a belief about that. <laughs> we hold on to it, right? And so they can be small, they can be big. Um, when we talk about identity beliefs, identity beliefs, identity beliefs usually start with the words I am, mm -hmm. not always, but I am. So what are the things you say about yourself? Those identity beliefs, those, those beliefs, like the things that you say in your head when no one else is around, like they can't hear you. Like the things that you say that you would want nobody else to hear. If you wrote those on a piece of paper, would 
would Jesus agree with you? Would he be like, yeah, that's you. And then maybe what's your identity belief about Jesus? If you only see Jesus as the just judge, then he might, then you, then you might be allowing that just judge Jesus to think, yes, you're worthless. You're a procrastinator. You never get anything done and you're a quitter. I mean, these are some of the identity beliefs I've said to myself over the, over the years that I've, the Lord has worked on me with that I hear often in many, many people that I work with and many clients of mine, but I don't think like Jesus wouldn't agree with those. Like the, that's not who you are. But if you work off of those, again, like we were mentioning in the very beginning, like you kind of start to have that self-fulfilling prophecy and you kind of start becoming that because you're like, no, this is who I am. I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter. This is what I do. I, I, I never finish anything. I try and I try, but I never am able to get it done. And then you just kind of show yourself, see, I did it again. And then you kind of prove it wrong or, or you, you prove it right, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So going back to those identity beliefs, like writing them down, I think is just so helpful because that's when things get real. Like when they're up in your head, it's almost like this like fantasy world up here. Like we kind of not, we don't quite make it too real even though we might be acting like it. But when you start putting things on paper and you see the words in front of you, then you have to acknowledge, is that true or not? Mm -hmm. And so looking at those identity beliefs and being able to find out like, where is their truth? And if there's not truth, if it's a limiting belief and it's not based in truth, how could we rewrite that understanding that we want to write it in truth according to God and Holy Scripture that would make sense for our life and help us move forward in our life, help us with healing, help us with with the beautiful work that God will do in restoring us. And so we kind of want to move to those statements, those types of identity beliefs that God would say to us and he would be proud and happy to say about us. Yeah, yeah, amen. And so I think that and as you're talking, I guess what I'm thinking about is, as an exercise is, because sometimes people are like, well, I don't even know when those ideas come about. You know, I don't even know when when to think about it. Well, I would say it's it's kind of in the context of what we've been speaking about. So if you're thinking about your goals or um, maybe not just in goals, but just even day to day kind of when opportunities present themselves and you're like, okay, I want to do this, but I can't seem to get myself to do it. That's the moment you want to reflect on later and say, okay, well, what was the thinking that was going on there? Like what prevented you from being able to take that step, you know, right in that moment? What got in the way of of you being able to do that, and write those thoughts down, um, and that's that would be the space where you would where you have some greater clarity in terms of like okay, well, this is what I started thinking about myself. Okay, well now now take that to prayer and say okay, was well, this is this the place that um, um, it, so once I once I'm able to identify that, then you say okay, well Lord, now let me pray about this and say okay, so where where is this that I need to 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 grow in. And this is the place where I think Brene Brown's done a lot of research here. You know, we're talking about shame and kind of these these narratives that we attribute or we hold on to. That when we can bring those those thoughts to a place of prayer, um, and maybe we can't even bring it to prayer because sometimes we're like, I can't get in the way of not seeing myself this way. You know, we said in terms of being like, well, how would the Lord see that? Well, I don't really know how the Lord would see it because I'm so ingrained in this negative thinking. That's where somebody like meeting with a coach or meeting with a therapist um, or even going into spiritual direction and bringing it before somebody or even bringing it to your friends. You don't have to pay a professional, but just give me bring it to your friends and be like, listen, this is kind of what I'm thinking about myself in these moments. How do you see me? What do you think? And to receive mm-hmm. the encouragement and the feedback from people that are close to us, even if we can't necessarily do that in the spiritual sense. And I think what I appreciate about what you're proposing here and really what you've been saying throughout this, this conversation is that a lot of this is forward thinking, you know, it, future thinking, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
And and I say this in, in counseling too, you know, that so often these belief systems that we that we that we generate, they're the origins of them are multifaceted. You know, it's not always because of some thing that happened, you know, in our life that if we can just trace it back to that one thing, that that's going to be the thing that's going to unlock it. For some people, that might be the case, but but I don't think for everybody. Sometimes those, these belief systems emerge as a complexity of of our experiences, but then also uh, out of our own personality. And and so to to go digging uh, isn't always the best course of action. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of saying, okay, like there it is. Now what do I do with it? And even if you have to, even even if it helps you to be able to go back and and process the experience as to why this may have emerged, that's great. But you still need to be able to bring that into the present and bring that into your current context to be able to say, hey, okay, well now now that I know this about myself, how does this play out? And how do I then, you know, kind of try to do something different? And and it is where that doing something different is always going to be an act of courage. Always, there's mm-hmm. there's no way around it. It's always going to be an act of vulnerability and an act of courage which is why it's important to have people close to us that we do love and people that we can share these triumphs with and, and these failures with and say, listen, I tried and to be able to open up with others. Um, because then as we move forward, which is really what you're, what you're proposing is that as we're, as we're moving forward, um, the process of doing these little things over time is going to be the thing that's going to shift us to become more of that high performer. Yes. Yes. Fear and potential will rise at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to remember that because uh, we can't expect to grow and, you know, better ourselves without dealing with those, with that element of fear, you know, fear and potential rise at the same time. So if you know, they're going to rise at the same time, you know, that that's also your potential. You know, your potential is rising. Like you're starting to actualize on who you are and who God made you to be. And that's exciting. And you're getting ready to step out of the boat. And what's so beautiful about this whole work, especially having it being Christ-centered, is that the Lord is here to catch you. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be like, well, good luck, and I'll see you when you kick the bucket. You know, like, it's not it. He's like, okay, I'm with you every step of the way. So if you get out of the boat and you and you do start to sink, he's there and he has your hand and he's pulling you up. And then we're going to try again. We're going to try again. And so there's this beautiful element of... Um, holy recalibration that we can have in our life as we're moving forward and we're doing something new and different in our life to make ourselves better with the Lord and um, to know that it's okay. You're going to stumble and that's all right. And then God's going to recalibrate that and kind of move you in better alignment. I I, I don't know. I, I think it's been attributed to mother Teresa, but something of like how God writes straight with crooked lines. Mm-hmm. He's recalibrating all the way, but if he didn't have the crooked line, he couldn't make it straight. You know, not that we're trying to make it crooked, but we're human and we're just going to do our best each and every time. And the Lord is going to continue to recalibrate you and keep working and kind of redirecting you on his holy will. Yeah. And I think also to recognize that, you know, sometimes we step out and the fear is because uh, it's really because of our own limited perspective. I mean, we, we cannot have the, mm-hmm. we do not have the awareness of God. Um, you know, we do not see all the pieces as they fit and we do not see that our yes in this moment we, is going to open up another possibility down the line. We we can't we can't see how all the various pieces that are happening in the background are going to somehow come into congruence, you know, in that moment. But our participation in that is a piece of all these other pieces that are happening. And so people will say that often, you know. And, and I can say that in my own life right now, we we made this major major move, you know, to North Carolina after being in New Orleans for ten years. 
And why? Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it, um, but but some of it is just that this has been a long-held desire of ours. We I did my master's degree up here, and so, and I've tried uh, like over the last 15 years since then, you know, since we left to be able to try to come back, and I've tried like four or five different times, and the opportunities weren't right, and the timing wasn't right, but but once it became clear, it was like yes, and uh, and so we did it, and it wasn't that it was like scot free the whole way. I mean, like carefree the whole way. I mean, like. I was telling you earlier, the hiccups that we had with like getting the house and all this stuff was still happening. That generates a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, but as you said, it is that when you, when you, when you follow through on those things, like I'm only just now beginning to see the, the, the blessings, you know, of, of, of this decision. And I know that the, the fullness of this decision, the, the fullness of the yes for this decision will reveal itself over time. Like it's not just going to happen in the next, in, in the first 10 days that we've been here. You know what I mean? Like it's going to take mm-hmm. some time before all of it kind of comes, comes, to, comes to be known. But I believe that. I believe that. I have a certainty about that as well. And so cooperating with it, like it, it does, it is, it is, it is, it is fearful. But like you said, trying to navigate that and say, okay, Lord, this is the place where I can, I can bring you into this space. And this is where the Lord invites us to be vulnerable with him. And when we're vulnerable with him, you know, he's going to guide us and he's not going to, he's, he's going to catch us. Um, and he's going to lead us if, if, if we're, if we're walking with him. So this has been great. Mm-hmm. All right, Leah, I, I, I want to honor your time, but, but I do have a couple more questions. Can I, can I bother you for a few, for a little bit longer? Is that sure, all right? Sure, Of course. So sure. when you talk about like language shaping brain, you know, I know that's something, one of the lessons that you're speaking about, just give me a little rundown. What do you mean by that? Well, the words that you use, the words that you use every single day, they they shape the life that you have. So, um, you know, if you're always using words um, like fine and okay, how are you? I'm fine. How how are things? They're 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 okay. You'll have a fine and okay life. Like our our words have so much power to them. God has revealed that to us that there's power in words i mean he he created the word uh, he created the world through a word um and we think about how you know the word was made flesh i mean there's something a lot there to meditate on the words that we use that we choose to use to in our in our day-to-day life they should be in alignment with our why with our values um, and with our identity, you know, and so this life is an, it's, it's an amazing adventure. How many times are we using even those phrases, you know, or like, how are you? I'm magnificent. I use this people who know me, they know that oftentimes I use the word magnificent a lot because I want a magnificent life. I don't want to, ma- and trust me, it's not magnificent in terms of being known or my work. I want a magnificent life. I want to show up with dynamic joy to my husband and to my kids. You know, I want an outstanding life where I am doing the will of the Lord happily. And even though there's struggles and challenges that I follow him and I love him. And so how we describe the words that we use, how they describe our high moments or even our low moments, they really set a tone for our expectations in life as well. And so you know, I would I would encourage you to think about um, some of the words that you use to describe positive moments in your life. And then maybe, you know, go on like thesaurus.com or something like that and like find an alternative that really speaks to you that says like, yeah, you know what? I want to start using this word to describe how I'm feeling or I'm doing as long as that resonates and it's true, you know, for 
for, for you. Um, and then also really conversely, think about the words that you often use when things go wrong. Like when you're really, um, you know, when things are, are frustrating for you and, and you're really upset. And so what words do you use? Do you use words like upset, angry, frustrated, overwhelmed? Could you replace them with something else? Not to escalate the feeling, but to actually de-escalate the feeling that's attached to that word. So, you know, maybe if you're really angry, like livid, like it's you're irate, like the, these are the words that you might feel and, and use. Maybe, you know, uh, I've done this, but maybe you could use the word huffy, which is, it almost makes like, it almost makes you laugh when you say like, I'm a little huffy right now. <laughs> it deflates the feeling, emotion I have behind it. <laughs> and so that's helpful in those moments when I have high emotion, high negative emotion. And so does it, now listen, does it cure everything? No, but it sets a tone. And then I have to make choices in alignment with that. All right. So uh, I, I think that with with our words, I, I love this, the lesson that I have in Power Made Perfect on language and words, because a lot of the exercises that we do are what I'm showing you right now. We do exercises where we have everybody write out all of the positive words that they that they typically use in a day. And the fact is that we only use about a couple dozen words over and over to describe our life. I mean, a couple dozen, like tops, like 12 to 24 words. Are you kidding me? <laughs> when you have like over 30,000 words that you could use, there's a lot more options out there to, to think about how you want to describe your life. And it's interesting, like when I, I started using the word magnificent months ago, um, and I did this a little bit as an experiment, and I did this also because I, I really love the word. And I thought, yeah, if someone said, how are you? I would say, I'm magnificent. And when I respond with, I'm magnificent to anybody, a stranger, I'm getting coffee, um, like I'm magnificent, you should see their response. I'm like, you are? <laughs> well, that's great. I, I kind of want to be magnificent too. And I'm like, you have a magnificent day and I'll walk away. But it changes the interaction. And so there's emotion tied to these words. And so it's important, I think, to kind of pay attention to what we're putting energy into in our words and like how they're, how that's interacting with our life. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Trying to find the right word can be challenging. You know, uh, we want to reading, reading helps just to be able to have better, better, not just at the source, but, you know, seeing these words in context. Um, but I think you're onto something, you know, in terms of just trying to find the right words that describe uh, our circumstance, but maybe using the right serbs even to kind of diffuse some of the emotion. Um, words certainly are descriptors of reality, uh, but words also shape reality. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what we're seeing. Well, I mean, that's, that's the art right now, the, the, the cultural wars that we're facing, it's, it's, a, it's a war of language. Um, and it's a yes. war, it's a war of language. Because uh, if we can control language, then we can control reality. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and I know that's not the, the program, but, but, that is that is evidence, you know, as we're seeing. Yeah, it, you know, it's in the it world turns... today. We see it right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, um, it's and and there's something to it. I mean, um, you see this in the spiritual life so much. Of, you know, really pay attention when you talk to a really holy person. Pay attention to the language they use. Pay attention to the words that they like their their descriptor words. That's what I love to do when I'm reading or talking to someone who. I mean, they got their life together type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious. 
by their actions and by how they're living and how they're thinking and what they're doing with their time. And you see this and I pay attention to the words that they use, um, especially when things don't go well. And um, I remember this encounter with a, with a priest and I was going up to talk to him after he had just received really rough news about something that had gone on with him and um, his congregation. And uh, I went up to him and before I could even really say, like, how are things? Because he knew I was going to ask. He just said, it is a blessing. This is all a blessing. And he was teaching me. He goes, you must understand this before you ask me. You need to see this as a blessing. Now, if you know it's a blessing, how would, how, what, what will then you ask me instead of how are you? And I thought, wow, wow. If I knew that he understood this as a blessing, I wouldn't be asking, how are you? I'd be like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and that's... It could be both. I mean, I think it could be, it could be really hard in the moment and you could see the blessing in it also. I mean, I don't know. It maybe, is, maybe, but yeah. that's how he took it. I'm <laughs> just telling you, like, this is, this is, this is what he was doing. I mean, not, can everybody get, get mm -hmm. there? Yes, I do think so. Mm -hmm. But do, do most people do that? No, but it was a beautiful lesson taught to me of like, how do I see my life through the lens of God? I mean, God sees so many of our failures and so many of our setbacks and so many of the roadblocks in our life. He sees them and maybe has given them as blessings. And, mm -hmm. and as ways to protect us. Um, but if, that I believe with. But how, that I how we look at sure. them, you know, how we look at them and, and, and the words we attach to them um, can either be incongruent with that or not. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll play the other side of this because like somebody like Jordan Peterson gave me the language that I needed to be able to articulate how bad circumstances were in my life. You know, and so I feel like the language, there's something to be said about like, when you see something that's happening and it's bad, like it's okay to acknowledge that it's bad and it's okay to use like harsh language to describe the reality of the circumstances that you're facing. However, and this is what we believe, you know, as we're saying is that there is also a blessing that will come in this. There's also grace mm -hmm. that's happening in the midst of it. And so trying to hold on to both uh, becomes an art and becomes a challenge um, because we sometimes do experience really bad things, really awful things. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to acknowledge them as being that and this being really hard or whatever it is that you're going through and just giving space for that. Um, and saying, and yeah, in the midst of that, there... like, Lord, you're, you're with me. Like God, you're with me. You're present in this and it's okay to hold on to both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's by no means am I, Am I suggesting that there's just this power of positivity Correct. that only works? Correct. That let me yeah. be very, very clear. That's yeah. not what I'm saying, and nor, nor do I believe at all. Um, but when we're talking as a Christian about blessings, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to understand the deepness of that word, I think, is important, um, mm -hmm. and understanding what that is. But yes, I mean, e evil exists, suffering exists, and I think, and when we don't call it out, that does a disservice completely. Right, because then it stays in the dark, and we don't talk about it, and we don't give it a name of what it is. Right. Um, so that's important as well. But again, looking how we look at our challenges throughout the day and how we decide to respond to them um, is 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 what we can do as Christians to look at things uh, 
you know, yeah. as difficult as they can be, maybe through the lens of, of God the Father. Yeah. I mean, the, the reading, the Old Testament reading for Sunday this past week was Jeremiah, and Jeremiah gets thrown into a cistern because he's preaching the truth. And he's like, yeah. listen, guys, it, bad stuff's about to happen, you know, and it actually mm-hmm. has to happen for us to get back on track. And, uh, and the court prophets and the king didn't want to hear it. They're like, no, no, man, it's just keep the happy go lucky stuff. You know, like you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're discouraging the people, you know, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're leading them astray. And he's like, this is, but this is it. This is what it is. And so I think in the context of what we're speaking about, it's okay to be able to say that, like, like this isn't just positivity thinking. This isn't just kind of like you think your way into, into mm-hmm. a more positive life. Like, like there are things that are really happening that we need to be able to, as you talked about in the awareness piece or even the assessment piece, when you talk about, you know, high performers, high performers have a, have a very sober assessment of things. And that sober assessment means that you're, you're, you're looking things as they are. And then once you see it as it is, then you can respond to it, you know, to, to what you're seeing. And sometimes what you're seeing, sometimes what you're experiencing is, is, is really rough. And, uh, and it's okay to, to acknowledge that, reiterate that point. And, uh, and then to say, okay, well, how am I going to respond to this with charity, with, with courage, with grace, um, and, and with the Lord's, you know, kind of cooperation in this and, and not let this thing then become the sole definer of my life and not letting that discouragement, you know, kind of take over, um, which is certainly a temptation that we have to be, have to be attentive to. Yes. Amen. Okay. Amen. All right. Good stuff. All right. Well, as we're kind of bringing our conversation to a close, Leah, thanks so much for, for, for being present with me in, in, in this discussion, sharing all these beautiful things in this program that you put together. Uh, if people are interested, how, how can they get it? How can they uh, purchase Power Made Perfect? Yes. So we have a wait list that you can go ahead and check out and put your name on there. We'll let you know when we're going to open it up again for um, taking on another class. We have our first class underway right now, and that'll wrap up um, at the beginning of November. And then we, so you can sign up right now at leadero.com and you can get on the wait list. And then we'll open up another class probably uh, at the beginning of next year. How many, how many weeks is the program? Right now it's 14 weeks. Um, after this first one is done, we'll go ahead and do all the things that we normally do after I finish out of course, you know, we just reassess, making sure if we don't need to condense anything or move things around. But right now it's a 14 mm-hmm. week program where we meet every week for about an hour um, in the evenings. And uh, there's a lot more to it. We have the weekly live um, sessions. We also have monthly well checks, which is what I like to call them. And so we meet up and just do like a a mental well check, so to speak, but we just check in, see how everyone's doing. People can share wins and those are really, they're actually extremely beneficial. Mm-hmm. We have a private community that's a part of it. And of course we have a digital workbook that's a part of the, the program as well. Power Made Perfect is split up into two sections where the first half is called restoration um, and the second half is called resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so we obviously are working on the interior life within the personal growth first before the then take in the areas of personal growth and work on the exterior life. Great. And how big are your cohorts? I'm sorry? How big is the cohort? Um, We have have a pretty good sized class. I'm really, really happy with the turnout that we had. Um, And we're hoping, um, of course, obviously to share this with more people in the future. So yeah, I can go to leahdare.com to sign up. Um, We've got a few um, Catholic universities who are looking to take it on and make it a part of their curriculum too. So I can't, I can't say anything quite yet. So those <laughs> contracts haven't been signed sure, yet, sure. but um, we do have some, we do have some um, actually a few high schools and a couple Catholic colleges who are looking to take on this program and provide it to, to their students as well. So it's going to be pretty great. 
it's exciting it's good stuff okay well we'll have links to that in the show notes for sure well Leah Darrow final question I ask all my first time guests what gives you mm-hmm. hope oh mercy mercy Christ mercy what, what what else would give us hope he forgives me and he'll forgive me again and I'm gonna do my best <laughs> mercy Christ mercy is is uh is the bottomless well of hope for me amen yeah, it sure is for all of us, you know, and the, the acknowledgement that it's only because of his mercy and grace that, that, that any of this is mm-hmm. possible or even here. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Many blessings to you in this program and, and all the good work that you're doing. Great. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, with great gratitude for for Leah joining me on the show today. Grateful for you to listen, get all the way through to the end. I pray that this show has been helpful for you to be able to think about some of these things, particularly when she's talking about with neg- that neg- those negative beliefs and, and the thoughts that we have about ourselves. I think there's something really powerful about that. Being able to become aware of the ways that our thoughts are certainly shaping our realities and the ways that our thinking is impacting us. And so those are things to be praying about, to, to, to take, you know, to the Adoration Chapel, to be journaling about, and to be able to say, okay, how do those shame thoughts, how do those negative beliefs, you know, uh, emerge and how do they reinforce some, some bad behaviors? And so and reinforce some fears. So we want to be able to tackle those things, make it bite-sized, make it small, take one thing at a time, and you'll see you'll have some momentum moving you forward in the right direction as you make those changes in your life. So bless you all. Again, leave a comment, write a review, do all that fun stuff. It really helps out the show. But more so than that, it really helps out other people who need this episode and need this content. So God bless you guys. Have a great day.